Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 107, In the Strength of the Lord. This week when reading Mosiah chapters 9 and 10, I was reminded of a story about snakes. Do you remember that rugby movie that came out several years ago called Forever Strong? It's one of those motivational sports movies. And it's been a long time since I've watched it, but I remember at the end, the rugby coach, Larry Gelwicks, had some short motivational clips. And you can actually find them on YouTube now. And one of them was about snakes. Don't play with snakes. He told the story of a young player named Mike who, during the summer of his 10th grade year, went out into the garage and he saw a snake. It was a rattlesnake. It was small, but it was a rattlesnake. And Mike had handled snakes before. And he actually was able to get into the position to be able to pick the snake up and hold it below its head. And like 15-year-old boys do, he drew a crowd around to come check out the snake. The snake would open his mouth and the children in the neighborhood were able to see the fangs of the snake and the venom dripping. And it was an awesome show. (laughs) This went on for about 10 to 15 minutes. It was so much fun. There were no worries, right? Mike had handled snakes before. He knew what he was doing. But then in just a moment's distraction, when Mike turned his head, the snake bit him. Mike was able to get the help that he needed, but there was something in the anti-venom medication that severely affected his body. His bones became brittle and Mike easily got hurt out on the rugby field. And in Larry Gelwick's fashion, with his gravelly voice and a mind that you can tell is always looking for a moral of the story, He tells this conversation that he had with Mike. Wait a minute, Mike. Let me see if I've got this straight. You walked out into the garage. Yeah. You saw a snake. Yeah. It was a rattlesnake. Well, yeah. You picked it up. (laughs) Yeah. You played with it. You played with a rattlesnake. Well, yeah, I had done it before. I had handled snakes before. It wasn't a problem. It bit you. Yeah. And then Larry says to Mike, Mike, how did you think this was going to turn out? How could it have turned out any way, but eventually you get bit? It's a rattlesnake. That's what rattlesnakes do. They bite people. And that's what I think of when I read the story about Zenith and his people. Now for some housekeeping before we get started, before we dive in. Let's just clear up any confusion that's easily had at this point in the Book of Mormon. The record of Zenith, starting in chapter 9, is the history of his people all the way up to King Limhi. It's what Limhi had Ammon read. It gives an account of their people from the time they had left Zarahemla. 
And in the Institute Manual for the Book of Mormon, it points out that Mosiah chapters 9 and 10, these are Zenith's words. Mormon didn't alter them. He didn't abridge them. These are Zenith's words unaltered. The other chapters that follow do have Mormon's commentary and his abridgment. So chapter 9 takes us back 80 years into the past. So keep in mind, it's probably around 200 BC. And beginning with these two chapters and all the way through chapter 20, we are being given the privilege of being able to know what happened to this people and what their spiritual and their temporal journey has led them to. Why are they in bondage? Also, I've said it before, I recognize I have a bias. I have concerns about the soundness of the decision to take people in the first place and go back to try and reclaim the land of Nephi, a land in which the Lord had led them out of. I believe that it was a mistake. I believe that it was poor judgment. Yet I am grateful for the preservation of this record of Zenith's people that we can learn wisdom for our day, for the decisions that we make today. Essentially, to not play with snakes. So with that, let's dive in. Remember the first group who left Zarahemla. Remember how their journey wasn't successful? Why wasn't it? We're finally told here. During their pursuit to take back the land of Nephi. And I do believe that we can assume that there was some hostility in their hearts. They were going to take back their land of inheritance. And why can I say that? Zenith was part of that first group and referred to their group as being an army whose desire was to come upon the Lamanites and destroy them. In fact, Zenith was one of the spies that was sent out to observe the Lamanites in order to accomplish this very purpose. But you know what? Zenith saw good in the Lamanites and he desired that the Lamanites should not be destroyed he suggested that they make a treaty instead. And so unwelcome was this suggestion that it caused a great contention there amongst the army, especially in the heart of the leader. Zenith described the leader as being an austere and a bloodthirsty man. And I knew I know that austere is a negative word, but I wasn't exactly sure of the definition, so I looked it up, and it means to be severe or strict in attitude, in manner and appearance. And it was this leader who commanded that Zenith be put to death. Zenith was rescued, but this rescued was in despite of much bloodshed. The scriptures say, For father fought against father, and brother against brother, until the greater number of our army was destroyed in the wilderness, and we returned, those of us that were spared to the land of Zarahemla. And I think the number was around 50, if I remember right. Yet, he still desired to follow through with the original idea. So Zenith gathered a new group to go and possess the land, and they started another journey. Zenith himself describes himself as being overzealous in his desire to inherit the land of his fathers. It's the same word his son, King Limhi, will use to describe him. Sometimes when we are overzealous, it can lead us to an overconfidence, which can then lead to an arrogance, which may have been the case as this group journeyed. Zenith said that while journeying, 
they were smitten with famine and sore afflictions, for we were slow to remember the Lord our God. Despite all of this, they made it back to the same spot in which they had previously killed their brethren that had threatened their life, which is a little mind-boggling to me, just saying. And Zenith took four men, and they went unto the king of the Lamanites to ask if they could possess the land in peace. And you know what? The Lamanite king said, sure. And let me move my people for you. Let me make room. We'll move out. We'll move out and we will give you this land. Come on in. Bring your people. Come on in. I'll move my people out. Come on in. Hmm. So Zenith and his people are given the land of Shalom and the land of Lehi-Nephi, and they go in and they do amazing things with it. In Nephite fashion, they begin to restore the land, repairing the walls of the city and building buildings. They tilled the ground and planted seeds of grain, corn, wheat, barley, and then we have some seeds that we've never heard of before. They planted Neus and Sham. I don't even know if that's how you say it, but I'm guessing. And they planted all sorts of fruit. The people prospered and they multiplied for 12 years. And after 12 years, the Lamanite king became a little uncomfortable seeing their growth and their prosperity. And he grew concerned that his men wouldn't be able to overpower them anymore. So contention started to build. And then in the 13th year, the Lamanites came down into the land where the Nephites were. The Nephites were tending their flocks and fields, and that is where they were attacked. And those that were able to get away came to Zenith for protection, and he armed them with weapons, and they went forth to battle. And I love the description of how the Nephites went to battle. They went in the strength of the Lord. Zenith and his people did cry mightily to the Lord that he would deliver them out of the hands of their enemies, because they had been awakened to a remembrance of the deliverance of their fathers. And I like that that's where they went. When all else fails, remember. Remember when you've been delivered and who you were delivered by and how you were delivered. Remember how your fathers have been delivered and who delivered them and how they were delivered. For me and my remembering, both my parents are converts to the church and it, is the, and it is the example of my grandfather's deliverance and my father's deliverance that gives me back my perspective when I need it. I'm reminded that God knows our aches. I'm reminded that when we are aching, that these are the opportunities that God can do something really great with us. That he can pivot us in a direction when we submit to him. He can pivot us into the direction that brings us closer to him. He knows our needs and he meets us where we're at in our imperfectness or in our youth. And he will deliver us when we make ourselves available to his strength. And the tender mercy of the Lord, his strength enabled them to go forth against their enemy. He answered their prayers and they were able to go forth in his might. And in one day and a night, they did slay 3,043 Lamanites. 
and they were able to drive them out of their land. And in comparison, 343 Nephites lost their life during this process. Now, why do I think of the story, don't play with snakes when I read these chapters? First, I think despite our feelings about whether or not they should have gone down the path of going and trying to get their land of inheritance, we should try and see ourselves in Zenith's position and appreciate how merciful the God is that we worship. We do the same thing like Zenith. Whenever we stray a few steps away from the Lord's standard, we think we'll be fine. We think we know best. We think we know how to handle the situation. Think of how this story can be applied to us when we start to separate ourselves from the Lord or from his prophet. We think we're safe. We think we're justified. We're overzealous to follow the path that diverges us from him. And we even become a little overconfident, perhaps even a little arrogant. Pretty soon that overconfidence leads us to be slow to remember the Lord our God. And even afflictions don't even slow us down. But snakes are snakes. And they bite. And just like Zenith, we need to consider the snake that we're encountering. Zenith's snake was the king of the Lamanites. All the way back in 2 Nephi chapter 5, verse 24, the Lamanites are described as being an idle people full of mischief and subtlety. The Lord had led the first king, Mosiah, away from the land of Nephi because of the attacks of the Lamanites and the wickedness of the Nephites. And though Zenith could see good in the people, he forgot what standard the Lamanites held themselves to. They were cunning and a crafty people. And the intentions of the Lamanite king was to bring Zenith's people into bondage. Zenith knew that the Lamanites didn't work like the Nephites worked, that they were idolatrous, and it soon became apparent to Zenith that the Lamanites desired the fruits of Zenith's labors, literally. (laughs) They wanted their grain, their fruit, their flocks. And when Zenith dared to make a deal with the king of the Lamanites, it's at this point he picked up the snake. He thought he knew how to handle them. He thought he could make a deal, a treaty of peace, coexistence side by side, he thought he could play with a snake. But Zenith forgot that the king had venom, that the Lamanites believed that it was okay to be cunning and to lie to the Nephites. And therefore, Zenith was deceived by the king. And that deceit, and I don't know if it was able to occur because of Zenith's ignorance or his arrogance. I'm not sure when Zenith became fully aware of the Lamanites' belief system, the belief that had been passed down for 400 years that gave them the excuse to hate the Nephites like they did. That the Lamanites believed that their fathers were driven out of Jerusalem because of the iniquities of their fathers. Isn't that interesting? Laman and Lemuel's belief that their father was a visionary man had literally altered to the point that their children now believed that Lehi was an iniquitous man, that the good people of Jerusalem had driven Lehi out because of his iniquities. 
the descendants of Laman and Lemuel, and also the sons of Ishmael, believed that their fathers had been wronged in the wilderness, wronged while crossing the sea, and wronged in the land of their first inheritance. The Lamanites were wroth because they believed that Nephi tried to take away the ruling of the people from their fathers. And that Nephi, when he left, when he departed into the wilderness, that he stole the brass plates from them. Isn't that incredible? How over time these grievances had grown and they had changed, yet they were solidified in the hearts of a people hundreds of years later who hadn't experienced any of these circumstances that they felt so wronged by. The Lamanites taught their children to hate the Nephites, to murder, to plunder, to rob, to do all of this with the purpose to destroy the Nephites. There was an eternal hatred for the Nephites, and nothing would put this hatred to rest until the Nephites were destroyed. Can you see how these beliefs started and were based on some elements of truth? But depending upon the perspective, and in this case, a lack of desire to know the mysteries of God, you can see how these beliefs grew into deceptions. And once Zenith and his people were comfortable in their land, even 12 years of comfort, perhaps they were relaxed and confident that nothing could go wrong, or at least that they were handling the Lamanites well. Yet once they were distracted, the snake bit, and the Nephites were forever afflicted or infected by the snake. Now, is all lost? Can Zenith and his people be forever condemned for their error? No. Just like Mike wasn't forever condemned for picking up a snake, neither are you or I forever condemned for our misjudgments and mistakes and errors that we make. So neither were the people of Zenith. Yes, their lives were changed, and they did need to course correct. But the good news of the story is they did. They changed course and they relied upon the Lord. And according to Zenith's record, they gave credit completely to the Lord and to his strength during the process. So for 22 years now, the Nephites lived in peace, but they prepared their defenses. They made weapons of war and they prepared for possible future battles. Zenith placed lookout guards to protect the people and their flocks from any surprise attacks by their enemies. And also spies were sent to the land of Shemlon. That was where the Lamanites resided. And these spies observed any preparations of war that were occurring. The people continued to live their life. They tilled the ground and the women spun linen. The people prospered, but they kept their eye on the snake. Though they had been forever altered as a people by the snake, they did what they could to be strong and to prepare against any future interactions. They knew the snake was a snake now and they no longer doubted its nature. After 22 years, King Laman dies, and his son then becomes king, and I guess the son had something to prove. 
because he brought his Lamanites and he came up to battle against the Nephites. And the battle was intense. The Lamanites came with their heads shaved and leather girdled about their loins and with their weapons of war. And they were strong, but not in the strength of the Lord. Because knowledge and belief in him, that hadn't been passed down. Instead, they came in their own strength, and they were strong as far as the strength of man. They came forth wild, ferocious, and bloodthirsty. But Zenith's people met them equipped with the Lord's strength, and they drove the Lamanites out, out of their lands. And the numbers of the dead were not even counted because their number was too great, but the enemy was driven out and the people of Zenith were able to return back, back to their way of life, tilling the ground, tending their flocks and prospering. So how can we move through our life relying upon the strength of the Lord? I believe the episode I did last says all we need to hear on the subject. Our prophet, seer, and revelator is intentionally directing us to seek and go forth in the strength of the Lord, to keep on the covenant path, to read the word of God, to pray and receive personal revelation, to hear him, and to attend the temple so that we can, one, communicate more clearly with heaven, and two, know how to rebuke the adversary from our lives. We should never believe that we can pick up and play with snakes. The snake. We should never be deceived into believing that we know how to handle close proximity to or believe we can live side by side with. The snake that we should never believe won't try and bite us as soon as we become distracted. Because that's what rattlesnakes do. They bite people. However, the goodness of the God that we serve, who is merciful, even when we mistakenly believe that we are incapable of being afflicted by the adversary, when we welcome him and at least pick him up and play with him for a while, our God, as soon as we remember and turn our hearts back to him, he blesses us with his mercy. He blesses us with his strength to go forth against our enemies and be victorious. He cleanses us when we repent so that we can be worthy vessels of his strength. And that can be anything from the enemy of unvirtuous music or thoughts, not keeping the Sabbath day holy, engaging in unchaste activities, even pornography, The strength of the Lord can help us against the snakes of addiction or even pride or even self-hate. The strength of the Lord is stronger than the strength of man and the wiles of the adversary. We may have gone down the wrong course, like I believe Zenith did. Yet the Lord will meet us where we're at. He will strengthen us with his tender mercy And through our remembrance of him and our efforts, he will make us mighty even unto the power of deliverance. It may take a while. (laughs) Zenith's people aren't quite delivered yet, but that is coming. And we must believe it is coming for us too. This week, remember the deliverance of your fathers and how you too need deliverance. Identify where you've gotten off track and get back on. 
see all the good that you do and identify where you can improve, how you can tap into the strength of the Lord, and then make a plan to do it. This week's Ponder Prompt is available to help you do that.